Greetings, everyone, and welcome back to the Preacher's Corner. I'm Pastor Jay, and welcome to Wisdom Wednesday. Here in Proverbs chapter number 10, we're going to be picking up where we left off last week in verse number 6, moving to 7, and then going forward. And you might think that a lot of these Proverbs and the chapters of Proverbs seem to be the aimless ramblings of a man who has intelligence beyond his own wisdom or should I say it backwards, wisdom beyond his own intelligence. And certainly if you were just to read each one of these verses uh, by themselves and say, what does this have to do with anything else? You'd probably be right. But Solomon is amazing in the connections that he's making that, that within his mind and to the pen to the page, what he had been writing. We're about to take a look into the mind of a master as concerning writing. And thank the Lord for his direction so that those who have ears to hear, those who have ears to hear and eyes to see can, uh, can proceed forward. So, Father, we thank you and praise you, asking for your blessing be upon us. We pray that you will give us wisdom today that we may glean from these Proverbs, Lord, to understand the direction of our life, the strength of our faith, and the power of our hope. Father, bless it. We'll thank you for it in this time we have together with you. In your blessed name of Jesus, amen. All right, guys, we read down. I'm going to probably go down to verse number 15 from verse number 6. The scripture says, Blessings are on the head of the righteous, but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. The remembrance of the righteous is a blessing, but the name of the wicked will rot. A wise heart accepts commands, but foolish lips will be destroyed. The one who lives with integrity lives securely, but whoever perverts his way will be found out. A sly wink of the eye causes grief, and foolish lips will be destroyed. The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life, but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. Hatred stirs up conflicts, but love covers all offenses. Wisdom is found on the lips of the discerning, but a rod is for the back of the one who lacks sense. The wise store up knowledge, but the mouth of the fool hastens destruction. The wealth of the rich is his fortified city. The poverty of the poor is their destruction. Now, backing up to verse number six, I want you to catch on to this, okay? I'm going I'm to show you a pattern of what the Lord has given me to be able to see the, the intricacy of the way that Solomon is writing because certainly he's writing a comparison and contrast uh, he's writing about the blessings of the righteous, and he's writing about the cursings of the wicked. But if if you read any one verse by itself in its comparison contrast, you begin to lose the richness of the connection of the next verse, and of the next verse, and of the next verse. So we're going to look at verses 6 to 9, and we're going to read them congruently as concerning the, the position of the righteous, and then the position of the wicked. And I think we're probably going to be able to see something amazing happen here because it will explain to us how to be this righteous person, how to be 
what 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 consists of being this righteous person so just hold on for a second and, and let's take a look at it verse number six for instance blessings are on the head of the righteous amen so what does this mean blessings are on the head of the righteous well, the reason why blessings are on the head of the righteous is because of verse number seven the remembrance of the righteous is a blessing so this is one of the blessings that is on the righteous is his remembrance and remembrance of what uh, that comes down to verse number eight a wise heart accepts commands so the righteous are recognized as having a wise heart because they accept commands in other words they remember those things which were given to them by the lord and those things given to them of the lord are blessings that are upon their head so hallelujah and then verse number nine says, the one who lives with integrity lives securely. And so this person that lives with integrity indeed is going to be blessed as being righteous because they've accepted the commandments of the Lord and regularly remember those commands to live in them. So this is the connection from six to ten, six to nine rather of those whose blessings are upon the head of the righteous. And this is a righteous person. So if you ever ask the question, well, how, how do I know if I'm in righteousness? How do I, how, if I know I could be called a righteous person? Well, then my, my questions to you would be, do you live in the integrity of God's word? And do you follow his word and remembrance of the things that he has told you to do? If you answered yes to all the above, then indeed you would be a person in righteousness because it wouldn't be your own righteousness. It would be that of Christ working through you because you have served him in remembering those commands he's told you to do. Amen. However, let's look at the other side of this coin in verse number six but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence and he says the name of the wicked will rot in verse number seven then he says foolish lips will be destroyed so some of the things you're starting to discover verse number nine whoever perverts his way will be found out and verse number 10 a sly wink of the eye causes grief and foolish lips will be destroyed so what you discover on the other side of the blessings of the righteous who are, accept the commands of the Lord and in integrity and remembrance, they obey the Lord. You'll find the, the other side to this situation is being the destruction of those who conceal their, their evil, their violence. And, and the reality of those who, who hide their violence, in other words, outwardly you may you may not see them as violent you you might think that they're the most wonderful person that you've ever met in your life but they've already murdered you in their heart four times they badmouthed you to other neighbors they've talked about you and laughed about you and drawn others to to mock you and and make jokes about you of course they don't do this when you're in their presence they don't have anything bad to say about you when you're there 
but you begin to learn about your reputation as concerning a Christian or as concerning a, a, a being a good person through through the neighborhood as people are starting to laugh at you and you're wondering why, even to the point of your own friends saying, you know what I heard about you? And it comes from these wicked people who conceal their violence and at the same time, it says the name of the wicked will rot. Well, certainly because they will be discovered for what they are as being wicked. And before the Lord, they will be remembered no more. Their name will rot before God because as they have rejected the love of God, as they have rejected the service to God, as they have rejected their their own their own creator then they will rot they will be remembered no more but they will also lose a name among men their name will rot among men without question and it says that foolish lips will be destroyed now as we understand that a wise heart accepts commands a foolish lip foolish lips will be destroyed because when you speak foolishly when you when you speak out of turn when you I mean we learn this growing up but it gets worse as you get older I mean look at our current administration and the amount of words that are flowing out of there that are foolish and the 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 fear the constant fear that they live in of being replaced or of being removed from an office that they would do whatever was necessary to lie to cheat to steal to to kill in some cases to be able to maintain a power would you're not going to be able to keep it if you would live in integrity and if you would live in in the command of the lord if you would live in in the remembrance of those things which god has given us then you wouldn't have to worry about where you're at a buddy of mine carl Taylor, he, he's always saying, you know, that his mom always taught him that if you just tell the truth, you don't have to remember all of your lies. <laughs> he just, I mean, it's just that simple, you know, just, just live in integrity so that you don't have to worry about uh, trying to make up or cover up lies for lies for lies. You just live in integrity. But those that are wicked, since they have no integrity, since they cannot live in integrity, they must conceal themselves for what they are and the wickedness of their violence. And they must, they, they, the thing that you're discovering out of this is that they just do not have an ability to, to keep their lips from lying and, and, and being discovered. Like verse number nine says, whoever perverts his way will be found out. You just can't hide. Why? Because the sly wink of the eye causes grief and foolish lips will be destroyed. Because those who pervert their way from the righteousness in their walk with God to being wicked within themselves, those who pervert their ways will be found out. Because they'll speak and foolish lips will be destroyed. And, and the ones who have concealed their violence will be discovered. There will be no no being able to hide that after a period of time and ultimately their name is going to rot in the hearts of those that know them needless to say uh, 
Solomon's got a pretty good idea going on here. He he knows what he's doing. I think that he's written it this way because he said to himself and it, and the Lord has spoken to him and said, only those that are really going to dig into this thing are really going to grab this thing. <laughs> what a mean fellow. In verse number 11, as we go down, he says, the, the mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life, but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. Of course, now if we connect verse 11 back up to verse number 10 all the way to verse number 6, we understand that the mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life because of the integrity that they live in following the commands of the Lord and remembering those things that the Father has given them and those things will become blessings upon the head of the righteous. So we got it. The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life without question. But the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. Once more, we see that, that double speak. Now, it's kind of a Hebrew trick here. Uh, not necessarily a trick, but, but a rule of writing in Hebrew. If it's said once, pay attention. If it's said twice, it's, it's really powerful in what it's trying to say to us. Don't ignore it. And what he's saying to us here is the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. What did we see back up here in verse number six? The mouth of the wicked conceals violence. And so it says the exact same thing twice. So it's very important for us to think about the way that we think. Because as it is the mouth of the wicked that's concealing, that means that you're, you are hiding those things that you think. The, the one avenue for your thoughts to make it out into this world is through your mouth. And so that anything that you would be thinking in this particular period of time will only be known by the world around you if you begin to speak about those things you're thinking. And so that the, the violence that may exist inside of you may not be a violence like an axe murderer. It could be a violence like a slanderer, the greatest uh, violence that could ever be done against another person is less than physically beating them up, it's tearing them apart with your words. And so we consider that the mouth of the wicked is concealing violence. It's very potential that this concept is dealing with those things that could be said more than those things that could be done. And so when we consider the multitude of thoughts that are running through our minds at this given moment that we would think about what we're thinking about to discover if indeed we have violence flowing through us. If we're thinking about that person that cut us off in the road, just pulled right out in front of us and how we'd like to just see them wreck and crash off the side of the road. If we're thinking about... Uh, the, those people at work that, that set me off and are just upset with them and I'd just love to see them get fired. If you're thinking about that crazy old preacher, would he just shut up? We're tired of hearing the same thing over and over again. And I, it just, man, go somewhere else. If you're thinking these things, you're actually thinking violence. <laughs> 
This is what is under the banner of violence with God. And so you got to understand that when you're thinking these things, that, that it is it is something that the Lord is trying to communicate to you as being violent. And, and he says that the mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life, he says, but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. He says... Hatred stirs up conflicts, but love covers all offenses. Now, you know verse number 12 by itself is true. You know it's true. Hatred stirs up tons and tons and tons of conflicts, doesn't it? You get mad at somebody, so you start talking about that person to all your friends. And now your friends are mad at that person because of something that was perceived that was done. And so all your friends are on your side. And then finally, it's going to come to a head where you, you or everybody else is going to approach that person at one time. You're all going to be fussing at them. You're all going to be questioning them. You all already decided what the answers were. So nobody's going to listen to anything they have to say on the other side of it. And hatred... Stirs up conflict just like that, doesn't it? Hatred ha- has created as many wars as we've as we've gone through. Hatred has has stirred up as many riots as we've gone through. Has stirred up as as much distrust and and disconnection in our nation as we've gone through. Hatred has done a great deal. To, to stir up conflicts. It don't take five seconds of thought to consider the multitudes of ways which hatred stirs up conflicts. We see here, though, but love covers all offenses. Now, it don't take seconds to think about that either. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him would not perish, but have Everlasting life. Now, you, you think about that just for a second. Uh, love covers the multitude of sin. Uh, you think about that just for a second. And, and the reality of love covering all offenses is the reality of, of Jesus' blood being shed for you that if you would turn to the Lord Jesus Christ and receive him as your Savior, calling upon him under the forgiveness of, of your sins, that it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how much you've done. It doesn't matter uh, the severity of what you've done. All things, all things can be covered by the blood of Jesus. And your forgiveness is secured in the life of Christ. It's that simple. Because God's love covers the multitude of sins. God's love covers, as is written in this translation, God's love covers all offenses. Now, God is willing, regardless of how offended he is at the wickedness and violence and hatefulness of your heart, God is willing to cover all all of those offenses because of his love. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He said, no man's going to come unto the Father except through me. But the reality is, is that anyone can come to the Father as they come to the Son. Anyone can come to Messiah 
and receive the forgiveness of God. Anyone can. Anyone. Jew, Gentile, barbarian, Scythian, bondman, freeman. It doesn't matter. Ephesians 4 says all can come to him. Romans 12 goes on to say, rather Romans 12, Romans 10 is where I want to go, goes on to tell us that, that whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Period. And so we, we find that the love of God without question covers all offenses. Does not the love of a parent cover all offenses to their child? I should say that things are not held against the child when restitution has has been made, when when apologies have been given, and when when the punishment has been executed, and and it's all done conclusion wise. Uh, then it's as though you'd done nothing wrong. You stand forgiven because love covers all offenses. Well, that verse in itself is powerful, needs no help, does it? So then we see that wisdom is found on the lips of the discerning. Indeed, wisdom is found on the lips of the discerning. The discerning are those who seek the matter out. The discerning would be a lot like those Berean people that the Apostle Paul was very pleased with who were a synagogue uh, in, the, in the area of Berea. And as Paul was his custom, he, on, on the Sabbath, he went into this town of Berea, he went into the synagogue, and he proclaimed to them, Jesus. Now, of course, while he was in the synagogue, he was speaking of Yeshua because you wouldn't walk into a synagogue and say Jesus. They wouldn't even understand who that was. But Yeshua HaNazareth, they would understand who Jesus the Nazarene would be. So they would get that. And, and so we'd have Paul in there proclaiming Christ. Well, in the book of Acts, you'll discover that these Berean people, they were really just a treasure to Paul's heart because as he proclaimed to them Jesus, instead of them telling him he was a knucklehead and to get out, the, the people listened to Paul's discourse and message, then studied the, the Torah, they studied the scriptures to see if what Paul was saying was, was sound, if it made sense. And that this entire synagogue of Jews there in Berea come to the conclusion that, that Paul was, was true, that he was a man of righteousness, and that Yeshua indeed was their Messiah, you have this whole synagogue uh, c- coming to a conversion of, of the Lord Jesus Christ and being saved. And, and at that, you discover that wisdom is indeed found on the lips of the discerning because this people, instead of rejecting this, this Yeshua, instead of rejecting him, they listened to the, the reasoning of Paul and then took that reasoning and studied the matter out for themselves instead of just sitting there thinking, well, that just doesn't sound like it makes that much sense. And the rabbis, the other rabbis, don't agree with Paul on this issue, so we're just going to follow the majority and Paul's going to be wrong. Well, a lot of people would feel that way, even in our modern day. 
as you might bring out something new. Not that it's a bad teaching, but it's a new teaching. In fact, it's a necessary teaching. But you bring it up into the church and say, guys, this is what the Lord has given me, and I praise Him for for making it known to me. Here, let me share this with you. And people go, well, that's not what we've ever heard. That's not the way we've ever heard it. That's not, Those names aren't names that we use. These things are, are different. So so it's just we don't want it we don't like it it's different you push it away but of course we found that this would not be uh, wise because wisdom comes through discerning so you receive it you consider it you study the matter out from the word of god and if it is found by the word of god to be false then you push it away reject it and say no way but just because it sounds weird or it sounds different or it's done different or it seems different doesn't mean that it's wrong and it doesn't mean that it's necessary just because it seems to be these things so i push it away actually makes me a fool because we are called to be a people who study to show ourselves approved unto the lord anyways being a people discerning that which is good from that which is evil right from that which is wrong so he says wisdom is found on the lips of the discerning but a rod is for the back of the one who lacks sense (laughs) ever got a spanking (laughs) it's because you lacked sense (laughs) oh man but there has been plenty of times where a person would be beaten not because they lack sense but because the the person who had done the beating had a wicked heart and concealed their violence in this manner you know one of the concealed violence issues is alcohol because a person may be the the best person in the world when they're not drinking but when they start putting that liquor inside of them they become a raging monster that that fights and beats up their spouses and and trashes public property and does all kinds of wicked things once their inhibitions are released but that uh, them being sober would be the kindest people would be the loveliest people would be the most disciplined people as would be assumed but as soon as they put that alcohol in them they, they they're someone totally different well this is the challenge that we have and the necessity of discerning but a rod is for the back of the one who lacks sense. That, that doesn't need much explanation anyways. They're being stupid. Spank them. <laughs> now, that's one of the problems that we have of our current generations that are actually running our government right now. Much of the younger generations that have taken seats in the House of Representatives, for example, are a people who did not have a rod on their back. There are people who were raised in an institutionalized system that warned the parents that the children didn't belong to the parents anymore, that they belonged to the state, and that you must raise them in the dictates of the state, and that you cannot raise a hand to them because that would be in violation of the, of the state, and so that your children would not, not even yours anymore. Now, they're the people running, uh, kind of per se here, but running the country as representatives in Washington, D.C., and they have no knowledge of discipline. They have no knowledge of of right and wrong, of good and evil. <clears throat> they have no 
construct or concept of of biblical truth even i mean those those youngins running around in there claiming that they're muslim don't even have a reality to their own faith it, it amazes me that they would claim something and then put forth these issues put forth these policies and these plans that that are antithetical to their own religious beliefs as they claim to be a part of a religion and they think it's perfectly acceptable but this is where you find that the wise would store up knowledge but the mouth of the fool would hasten their destruction well, certainly the wise will store up knowledge because it's it's better to learn it's better to learn it's better to think it's it's better to consider than to th- just speak to throw words out there that are empty and without purpose and that's where we find the mouth of the fool in verse number 14 that hastens their destruction they just throw in words out there they don't even they don't even think about what they're saying because as soon as they've spoken a sentence, the very next sentence can contradict that which they had just finished speaking and, and they live a life of contradiction against themselves. How the foolish eventually fall. And praise the Lord for it. The, the foolish should fall. No question about that. So the scripture in verse number 15, where we stopped at the beginning of our reading, says the wealth of the rich is his fortified city. Yeah, hallelujah. This, this is really an important section of scripture. I was thinking about this one for probably about, uh, about an hour this morning, just in this one verse right here. It says the wealth of the rich is his fortified city. The poverty of the poor is their destruction. Now, the the first initial point that might come to our mind as concerning the the distinction that he makes here in verse 15 between wealth and poverty is the concept of money <laughs> and so that we would think that the poverty of the poor or the, the fact that that, that uh, poor people who don't make a lot of money their poverty is ultimately going to be their destruction because they're not going to be able to heat their houses they're not going to have houses they're going to be that there, there's all kinds of ways that we could look at the poverty as being those that that have very little and that it would be their destruction but are we looking at this poor person the right way are we looking at the concept of poverty in its correct meaning likewise if we think about the verse number 15 and the concept of the wealth of the rich being a fortified city are we seeing the wealthy correctly are we seeing the wealthy you know the interesting thing about wealthy people as concerning physical riches right as we think about wealthy people they're constantly under a a fear of being overtaken that that uh, competing corporations will make a billion dollars more or that that the amount that they have amassed unto themselves is is under threat so i've got to make more i've got to secure it i've got to protect it i i can't let my wealth get away from me and so that you'll find that that some of the most poor people in the world today 
are are people who have uh, tons of money, but they're poor. And the reason why they're poor is because they don't have any friends. They don't have any. They don't have any connections of 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 that sort. They've pushed away just about everybody that you could possibly think of except for the few people that they would pay for a specific purpose but even in that person's pay that they are essentially enslaved to that that wealthy as far as the riches of the world is concerned that wealthy person because they're constantly overseeing their wealth and that's the only thing they care about it's the only thing that they possess that they have that they love that that it's the only thing that defines who they are and so they're wickedly protective of it and so that you would find that indeed it is a poor person to be discovered that all they have is money because they have nothing else. And so I would challenge you to think that the poverty of the poor is their destruction and the re reality of the poverty that is being spoken of is the emptiness of a wealthy person who only cares about their possessions. That would be a poverty. That would bring a person to being very poor. For myself included, and I know tons of people who don't have much. They, they don't own much. But they love people. <laughs> they have friends. They have family. They have uh, children and the treasures of their children. They, they enjoy reading. They have books because they can't afford to go to movies there. They can't afford to do a lot of different things. They can't afford to take trips and go on journeys and things of that nature but they have the walking trail just outside the house called the street they they can do all kinds of different things though they have very little money and they meet all kinds of different people and 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 really get involved in their lives and enjoy their things and the more wealthy the people that they're friends with the more happy they are and rejoicing in what their friends have because they're able to have them whereas i have very meager things that's perfect it's enough and see this this is indeed rich this is wealthy now the poorest of people who are children of god in this life know with the hope that they have in the future to come, that their father owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And they know that their father has a, has a room prepared for them in his palace, in his mansion, because they know that they are prince, princes, the guys, and princesses, the girls. So they know already from the new birth they've received through the blood of Christ that they are part of a wealthy family full of riches and rejoicing and, and banquet halls, everything. 
Indeed, the fortified city of that new Jerusalem makes one rich, doesn't it? It makes one wealthy. Now, it doesn't matter what our level of wealth is on this planet, for it pales in in comparison to the blessing of the gold, silver, precious stones that we may be able to amass in heaven as we serve the Lord today. And it doesn't compare to the blessing of the room that has been prepared by Jesus for us in the Father's mansion. So, man, it doesn't matter what the level of poverty is that I might have to face in this earth today is recognizing that I live in a land of corruption under a weight of of things corrupt, and I recognize that all things this earth are coming to an end because this this earth is not the end. It's it's such a treasure. So who's truly wealthy, and who's truly poor? Who is who is without question rich, and who is without question struck by poverty? See, we've we've got this this balance when we see these words wealth rich and poverty poor, and we look at our life, we look at our world today, and we think, uh, well, the poor are the people living on the street, and the rich are the people living in the mansion. But the reality is, is that the rich very well may be that person that lives on the street and that they were kicked out of their home, they lost their job, they they're going through an absolute nightmare of, of life at this point. But curled up in the corner of that that wall they're laying in the street they have their bible open they're giving praise unto the lord they're rejoicing in the hope that they have that that home in heaven and eternal life to come and beside the bible that they're giving praise at this moment they're filling out an application because ten dollars is better than no dollars and so they're actively trying to receive employment while praying unto the lord that god will bless them out of this situation that they're currently in that person i challenge you would be rich Though poor in this life, I understand with with the, the, the meager resources that they might have in a moment. But rich in hope, rich in faith, rich in, in, in blessing and connection of being a child of God, rich. Whereas that smug moron sitting up in his, his penthouse loft at the top of one of his skyscraper buildings who's looking down on that poor man saying what a wretch i wish he'd get off my street corner instead of saying you know what this person might actually have a need perhaps i could go talk to him and if you know if they are willing to work perhaps i could put them to work in in the mail room and maybe maybe check them out and see if there's there's something to this person and and advance them you know the wealthy person has nothing to lose by by taking a chance on blessing a person who has nothing and and you know they have everything to gain so which one's poor and which one's rich interesting thing to have to think about in it so as we prepare ourselves for next week we will be reading in proverbs 10 16 and i think i'll finish off to 32 uh, next week with with this blessing uh, proverbs and amen because i'm out of time right now so and if you're wondering, folks back in Virginia, you catch me in the morning, I'm wearing a coat. Let me tell you, 
the 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 temperature change here in North Dakota is pretty drastic when it comes into the fall. And so just like yesterday, our temperatures can can fluctuate as much as 40 degrees or better. So at the morning when I get up, it's around 45 to 45 to 50 degrees. And by the evening, it could be 75 to 80 degrees. And so uh, the temperature swings are pretty amazing here <laughs> until you hit winter when it's just cold. So we'll keep you informed on the way the weather works out here so that you can have a first experience with it through the winter. Amen. Father, we thank you. We praise you for your blessing, asking for your hand to be upon us, Lord, and your wisdom to fill our hearts. We just pray that we will receive from you this day the blessing of being rich, rich in Jesus, rich in love, rich in the power that you have bestowed upon us to give love. And, and Lord, it'll be well with our souls. Be with us this day in Jesus' name for his sake. Amen. God bless you guys. Keep you guys. Cause his face to shine upon you guys. We'll catch you next next week for Proverbs 10 and tomorrow for 1 Corinthians 10 to finish it. <laughs> Y'all take care.